Well, it will be <clears throat> good next week to not have to do this, or at least I'll be doing it, but there'll be a lot more people here. Um, and so we're grateful for this time uh, to be over and, uh, and to start, a, start anew. I was, when I was pre- praying through the readings today, the, the thing that really stuck out to me was the, the you maybe call it the first homily <clears throat> of the Catholic Church, uh, given by the Prince of the Apostles himself, St. Peter. And it must have been a heck of a homily because he ends up converting 3,000 people in one homily. I don't think, I'm lucky if I convert one uh, in a given Sunday homily, but he converted 3,000. Not only that, we didn't hear it today, but the verse right before today's first reading, when Peter gets up, it says that everybody thought they were drunk. They were so, (laughs) that is awesome. They were so high on life that they thought that they were drunk. And Peter gets up, he says, We're not drunk. It's 9 a.m. in the morning. Let me tell you why we're so pumped up. And basically what he's saying is he says, everybody, I want you to know the long-for wait is done. It's over. God in the flesh has come. And that's why they're so excited. Now, if God in the flesh has come indeed, why wouldn't everybody be excited? And so my question to all of you this morning is, are you excited about your faith? Because in the modern day and age, there's a complaint that goes around, we priests hear a lot, that, you know, people, they church shop because their parish priest is boring. Not here, of course, but other parishes I've heard around uh, the diocese that they shop for the, you know, a a priest that has fire and passion. You know what I say to that? You're boring. How about that? Why is it all on us that we have to have the fire and the passion? As we should, don't get me wrong, we should. But what about you? Do you have fire and passion about your faith? Do you know him? I don't know. Do you have conviction? I have said it before, a Christian is someone who has met another Christian. Our very lives are meant to convert people, like St. Peter. And when you have excitement and conviction and you know God, people change. You have an effect on other people. People want to be like you because you're like Jesus. But people aren't excited about their faith. You know, I think people tend to be more excited about exercise equipment or cars or music or fashion or whatever. And we've seemed to kind of lost our focus as Christians. You want to know what happens when you get motivated? You want to know what happens when you start to live holiness? People are cut to the heart. When I had the opportunity, I'm a glutton for meeting uh, popes. Uh, I met John Paul II four times. And every time I met him, I cried. Just being around him cut me to the heart and made me want to be a better person. And that's not just for popes. That's not for priests. That's for all of us. And when you're cut to the heart, you know you need to change. If you've heard the Christian message and you don't think you need to change, you haven't heard the Christian message. It should call us 
always to never settle for mediocrity. Have you ever wondered, though, why there is so much mediocrity, apathy in this world? I taught high school for six years, and I worked at the university for another five, and I was amazed at the apathy in young people. I just wanted to scream at them, you know, like, wake up! Stop playing video games! Get out of your house! Have a drive to be great! Stop staring at your screen! Go meet people. These are like the greatest years physically and health-wise of your life. Trust me, I'm 40 now. I'm like, my whole body's falling apart. (laughs) You have energy, and that's when you're about to do things that are great. Not just care about who's dating who or how far you've gotten in Fortnite. But you know what really drives me crazy? When I find it in my own life. Not video games and dating, but... Mediocrity. That's what really drives me nuts. Because I want to be holy, but I, do I really want it? I find it in my life, and in the end, I just, I, sometimes I feel, you remember the rich man from the gospel, and Jesus says, it's just, you're just missing one thing. What's your one thing? Because either you can go all in, or you can be like that rich man and walk away sad. And the crazy part is, is that when I am all in, when I'm living the life of virtue, when I'm disciplined, when I'm praying hard, that's when I'm the happiest. My friends who are priests always joke with me. They say, you should just live Lent your whole life. It's not a bad idea. But we slip, we slip. Even, you know, I mean, you can imagine with people getting married. I was just at a wedding yesterday. Just seeing the inspiration of love, like they were willing to do anything for each other. And then they slowly, slowly, slowly settle. Like a young priest. I'm around him all the time as vocation director. They just want to take on the world. Convert everybody. And then they get beat down and beat down and discouraged and... We're not meant for that. Jesus says in the gospel, I came that you might have life and have it abundantly. So how do we safeguard ourselves from the nemesis of mediocrity? I want to give you three short ways. These are not rocket science. I don't consider myself a scholarly theologian whatsoever. But I am a priest, and I love my priesthood. And I know that I am charged with maintenance. What I mean by that is, I once heard a friend of mine say, it's easy to, to fall in love, it's hard to stay in love. And what a married couple is charged with, what a priest is charged with, is maintenance. Of the, to, hold, to uphold the love. And so these are the three ways that have changed my life, that have done it for me. And keep calling me. Every time I start to slip into mediocrity, they pull me out first. Again, these are not rocket science. Pray. <laughs> Number one is pray. And it's the most important. And I want to encourage you to spend, I know, this is gonna, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, one hour a day. One hour a day in prayer. And if this is not my mandate, this is a mandate coming from Jesus. Could you not spend one hour with me? It's all he asked of his, his apostles. There's so many things in our lives that we make so important, but this is the most. And I'm not saying this just like this is Father Waltz's, you know, keys to life. No, this is Jesus's keys to life. Remember Martha and Mary? Martha's doing a good thing. Mary's doing the better thing. 
We have to pray. And it's not just for us priests, it's for everyone. Second, do some kind of retreat. Preferably, I'm going to speak mostly because I don't think I'm speaking to any priests out there. Do a retreat with your spouse. Again, you might say, Father, that's great. I'm just saying, take one last camping trip and take that weekend and go on a retreat with your spouse. We priests have to do a retreat every year. You are no less busy than any of us. In fact, you're probably more busy with more distractions, especially because children get into the mix too. Pray and pray together. Get on a retreat, whatever that looks like. Even if it's just going to the lake, you and your spouse, praying together, talking together, just dealing with the things of the year. And third and finally, have good friends. Have good friends. I always taught my students the fact that who you hang out with, you will become. If you hang out with losers, you're going to become a loser. If you hang out with virtuous and holy people, you're going to become virtuous and holy. Surround yourself with people that make you better. As I said, I was just at this wedding. And uh, for the record, it was one of the most touching weddings I've been to in a long time. Because there just weren't a lot of people there. The essentials were there. And then even the mass, the mass was just kind of a little bit more free. There wasn't all these expectations. The dance was outside in the backyard. And I started to think, you know, like, maybe, this, maybe we're doing marriages wrong. But there was something specifically about this family. They had power. Every single person that got brought into their family from the outside began to love Jesus. If you became friends with this family, you became friends with Jesus. That's what I'm talking about. And all of us, think if all of our families were like that. Think of the people that we would bring into this faithful church. Jesus, let all those who are watching right now, through the power of your spirit, be cut to the heart as those first converts were. Help them to desire you more than anything else in the world. Because without you, we can do nothing. Amen.